There had never been another night like that one, had there? And I'm so glad that somewhere along the line, somebody said, you know, once a year, we should gather together as churches, and we should come and we should celebrate and commemorate this night. And when we started our church, um, as soon as we were able, even though we didn't have a building, we said, we got to find a way to make Christmas Eve services happen. And those of you who've been here for a while, we've been in at least three different venues. We've done just about every conceivable time based on when we could get in. But we always wanted to gather on this holy night to commemorate what happened. And I wrote down some of my favorite things about Christmas Eve services. We've been a church now for 10 years. And so this is kind of, looking back on 10 years, some of my favorite things. I love gathering as a church family. I love coming together. This time of year, we're celebrating these, these, these wonderful moments in history. I love coming together as a church family to do that. But I also love how it's like homecoming in a way. We get to see all these people that we haven't seen for a long time, people coming in from out of town. I love how multiple generations are singing the same songs. I love that. And then I love seeing all the new faces. I uh, saw some of our neighbors today. This was great in the first part. Um, I love being able to welcome people into an atmosphere like this, to come together and, and have this atmosphere. We've done the best we could to try to create both the, the brilliance of the angels, but also the simplicity of the manger, and I love that. I love the artistry and creativity that we can see all around us. I, I love opening with that song, Oh Come All You Faithful. I don't know how you could find a better song than that to open with. And, and then I love when we sing, Oh Holy Night, when you get to that part of decision, are you going to go for it on that note? <laughs> or are you just going to, I'm going to drop the octave. I'm going I'm to just, you know, I love that. I love with turning our Bibles to Luke chapter 2. We're going to do that in just a minute or two here. And I love singing Silent Night with whatever form of candle they'll let us use in a rented space. And then I, I love ending with joy to the world. There's so many things that are so right about gathering to commemorate this event. And for those of you who are new to Christianity or new to, to church, we believe this was a, a real event. And some other time we could walk through why we believe that. We have done, I think, that in some other services in the past. But we believe this was a truly a real event. And I want to read one account of that event by a guy who went and he carefully researched this. He was a first century guy, actually got to travel with a guy named Paul who wrote many of these different accounts here in what we call the Bible today. And here's what he wrote after a careful investigation. This is in Luke chapter 2, starting with verse 1. In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. And each went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up. To, from Galilee to the town of Nazareth, to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was from the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary's betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth, and she gave birth to a firstborn son, and wrapped him in swaddling cloths, and laid him in a manger, because there was no room for them in the inn. And in that same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with fear. The angel said to them, fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. When the angels went away, from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that's happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went in haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. 
And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them. But Mary treasured all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. This is the account that's been handed down to us in what we call the book of Luke. You know, this was a moment, if you, if you ever are able to read through the Bible, the whole thing, and you, you see all these accounts of, of this world that God had created and, 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 and the way we messed it up, you begin to see that there was a longing that was developing for this day when this Messiah, this promised one would come. The whole creation was longing for it. And yet when that day came, we read that most people missed it. Most missed it. And those that didn't miss it, many of them were society's misfits. They were people that no one would have expected. These are the people that you'd expect to be there, at least on the surface. The shepherds would have been a group like that. People would have originally thought, you know, why would you appear to shepherds? Why them? Shepherding wasn't a career that you aspired to. It was a career people got stuck with. And yet you dig deeper and you start to realize, no, it made total sense that this is a group that you'd invite to that birthday party. The shepherds, especially those shepherds, tending flocks in those fields because those fields were likely the same fields that King David had tended sheep in, in this area now known as Bethlehem. And it was from these flocks that it was highly likely that, that the sacrificial lamb was chosen. And so you start digging into the story and you realize these people that look like they're misfits on the surface, no, 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 God knows what he's doing and he's fulfilling promises, fulfilling prophecies through them. So this is what it says in Luke and what we've been doing as a church family. Um, for the last four weeks, we've been digging into an account by a guy named Matthew, one of the original 12 disciples, a person who had a chance to walk with Jesus. We've been looking at his account and if you look at his account, it's filled with all these misfit stories that we've been looking at for the last four weeks. At least, apparently, they appear to be misfit stories. For instance, the author himself, Matthew, no one would have expected that when this eagerly awaited Messiah came, that he'd choose a person like Matthew. And yet, God knew what he was doing. He knew that this was the guy to write one of these accounts that we're still talking about today. And nobody expected that when the Messiah would come, he would be the stepson of a son of David. No one expected that. And yet Joseph proved to be just the right person, just the right role model, just the right father for Jesus. Well, three weeks ago, uh, two weeks ago actually, ja Jason highlighted the mysterious magi. They weren't even children of Israel. And yet when they followed that star, they fulfilled a prophecy that the nations would come to God's light. Well, all these misfits and more were drawn to this one remarkable life that we just saw in that video, and they began to reorder their lives around his. And tonight what we're doing in this journey through Matthew is we're looking at that baby himself in that manger. And it was interesting, as I was preparing this message, it, it, was, it struck me at how normal that sounds now, because I've been to so many Christmas Eve services, but just step back from that for a second. That should not sound normal. A baby in a manger, there's something that just seems out of place with that, right? A baby in a manger, and this misfit birth is exactly what we needed. It brought hope to the world. In fact, it brought hope to me last night. I, um, I was working on, on this and some other things last night, and my phone rang, and I looked at that number, and I couldn't pick it up. 
because I knew this is not going to be good. And I don't know if you ever had that happen before. You see a number and you go, this is not going to be good. So I waited about an hour or more, and I was praying, and I was thinking about it, and, and then I called back, and I was brought into just a mess. And about five hours later, after multiple conversations and, and all these kind of things, I was, on, I was concluding a conversation with a, a Christian brother, and I, and I was praying with as much passion as I could for him. And while I was praying, the thought came into my head, and I just spoke it out loud, and he all of a sudden was going, uh-huh, uh-huh, on the other end of the line, like, amen, amen. And that thought was this, this is what Christmas is all about. This is why we need Christmas. Because there was a God who stepped into this mess, into this mess. He's not some God who's out watching at a distance going, I wonder how that's all going to turn out. He's a God that steps in, was willing to step in as a child. And I know so many of you are in need of things like that. A God who's, you know, he's with you. And Matthew is the one author, the one gospel author who identifies that name for Jesus, Emmanuel, God with us. It's the only place you're going to find in the whole Bible where someone connects Emmanuel with Jesus. It's found right here. Matthew chapter uh, 1. Matthew chapter 1, verse 18 through 25. It goes like this. Now, the birth of Jesus Christ, is the account of Matthew, took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you will call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke from sleep, he did what the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but knew her not until she had given birth to his son, and he called his name Jesus. Now, again, on first glance, you look at this thing and go, this doesn't even make sense, because the angel says, call his name Jesus to fulfill a prophecy where his name is going to be Emmanuel. And you look at that and you go, what's going on? The name Jesus made sense to people. As I was doing my research for this week, um, I was looking at it, and multiple sources said a lot of people were naming their kids Jesus at that time in that place. Because the name Jesus is Greek for a Hebrew name, Joshua, which means the Lord saves. And people were naming their kids, the Lord saves Joshua, because they were hoping that there would be another Joshua that would come and save them. And Jesus was that, but not as they expected. And he was that and more. And he wasn't just Jesus, the God save us. He was also Emmanuel, God with us. And one of my sources said that was a name that nobody was calling their boys because nobody thought that that ancient prophecy would come true in their day. But isn't that also part of who God is that we need to know that he's with us when we're going through a mess, when we're going through pain, when we sit around a Christmas table and there's the empty chair for the first time. We need God with us. Maybe we need God with us too when things are going really well to mess us up and to wake us up. Well, this child, this baby in a manger was like no other child. He was like every child, but he was also unlike every child. Listen to this. Here's a partial list. This child whose birth we celebrate tonight was both Mary's baby and the co-creator of everything. 
He was God and man. He was warrior and a rabbi. He was single and a bridegroom. He was a prophet and a priest, worshiped and hated, a teacher and the word made flesh, a servant and a king, the kind of friend who would lay down his life for you and a good shepherd who did lay down his life for his sheep. This is a partial list. There is so much to who God is that we need in the world like ours. Again, there's never been anyone like him, and yet more like him is what we're all invited to become. And so here's the deal. I, tonight, I, was, I always try as best I can with each message to say, okay, now what can we do with this? Because I don't want to just give you Bible trivia. So what can we do with this? And I was really wrestling with this one. In fact, if you were driving up and down Tanglewood the latter part of this week, you maybe saw me pacing, just praying, God, what, what, what do you want us to do with this? What's kind of the action step? And as best I could discern, what was impressed upon me was not so much an action step, but a gift for us. And that is a prayer. And here it is. I, I wrote it down so I'd get this right. Tonight, I feel as though I'm supposed to pray that God will reveal something about himself that will make a real difference in your life in 2018. I want to give you that gift tonight. That God will reveal something about himself, this this. God that you can't box with one name or one metaphor. That he'll give you something about himself that you need. Maybe it's something you already know that you need to hang on to. Maybe it's something unexpected. Something you never thought of before about God that he'll reveal to you. And after I finish praying for you and for us as a church family, we're going to then imagine that now this group of, of people were gathered around that manger together. And we'll pull out those candles that are under your seat and we'll sing some songs by candlelight. This baby has been bringing people together for 2,000 years. People like Matthew, people like Mary and Joseph, people like the Magi, people like you and me, people like my friend on the other end of that phone. Each one of us a misfit in our own way, drawn to and knit together by the greatest misfit of them all, God with us. So at this time, I want to invite our worship band to come forward and, and let's pray. Let's receive that gift. Father, I, I pray that your Holy Spirit, who is already here, will be at work now in, in ways that we can sense. Father, first, I, I start with this thought, that, that this doesn't come across as something cheesy, that doesn't come across as something, oh, he says he's given us a gift, oh, he's tying that theme in with Christ. Father, I pray that all that stuff just goes away and that this truly could be received by those who would receive it. Father, we pray that you would reveal yourself to each one of us in a way that we need this year, in a way that's going to make a real difference in our lives. Whether you reveal that now or when we need it, we pray that you would do that. Reveal yourself in a way that's going to make a real difference in our lives in 2018. Again, whether that is something unexpected, something that we already knew that we need to hold on to, or maybe even something that's going to add, it's going to throw our life into disequilibrium in a good way. We pray that you'll do that for us as individuals and we pray that for our church. Father, we want to honor the name Emmanuel and we pray that we would be a church that is fearless when it comes to listening for your voice, that we'd be quick to respond to whatever you ask. We know that you can be trusted because of what you did for us, coming in the way that you came, dying in the way that you died, and then rising from the dead. So, Lord, help us to trust you. And, Lord, I pray that your spirit, again, would, would be real and present now as we focus on that child in that manger. In Jesus' name, amen.